0: This is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is your home for survivors like myself and those who are searching to find meaning to their why. In season two, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed immediately by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the business, marketing, coaching, and financial worlds. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed or has been edited. As a board-certified wellness coach, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you like today's episode, I would appreciate if you could share it and subscribe. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve podcast. Author and stage three breast cancer survivor, April Capil has used her painful experiences to serve those eager to get their lives back on track. Once her biggest cheerleader, she now wrestles with a friendship that has taken a dramatic turn. Knowing that the answer always lies within, she looks to the future and pictures a much lighter and sunnier vision. Hi April, it's good to see you. Hi Javier, thanks for having me. Sure. Wonderful. So what would you like coaching on today?
1: Um, well, one of the things that's been coming up a lot, um, not just for me, but for a lot of my friends, is how the pandemic and you know other just life things have changed friendships. Um, I have a longtime friend and I'm struggling to connect with her during the pandemic, but I feel like our relationship has been changing the last few years. And uh, I know that this happens kind of like as you approach middle age. Uh, sometimes it happens if you are approaching a time in your life when your friends are getting married and having kids and you're not, or you know, for whatever reason, maybe you're choosing that or maybe you just haven't found someone that you feel you could with. Um, but in this particular friendship, I found that the pandemic has brought out a lot more um, of the introvert side of her, um, a lot more negativity, and I find that our conversations are getting diff- more difficult to have. Um, we are sharing fewer and fewer views uh, just on on life in general and Um, where we see our future going, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not even 50. And we're both the same age. And yet, um, I see my future as full of opportunity and um, full of chances to learn new things and grow just as a human. Um, And I, you know, and when speaking of human resolve, it's like, my resolution is to always live my best life going forward. But I feel more and more in our conversations that, she only sees life getting worse and more frustrating and um and the world getting harder and harder to live in and i i i hear i hear her um seeing evidence in the world that things are getting worse and um and it it makes our our you know, bids for connection very hard. And so I'm just kind of looking for some coaching on maybe is there a way that I can see this differently? Is there a way that I can approach this relationship differently? How do I know when it's time to let go of a friendship? Um, Because it's not that it's not just not serving me, but maybe it's not serving either one of us. Um, And uh You know, I especially as a health coach in my day job, I know that, you know, I have clients who are struggling with the same kind of things. And sometimes it's like "Mm, they're they're on this side of the politics and I'm on this side or they're on this side of, you know, something like vaccination and I'm on this side. And friendships can thrive and grow despite that. But I'm you know, I'm wondering if there's a way that I can look at this differently or think about it differently differently. or how do I know that it's it's maybe time for this friendship to go and that's okay? Mm-hmm.
0: So what I'm hearing is you sort of like coaching on sort of figuring out how to navigate a friendship that at this point seems a little challenging. Yeah, Yeah. That's okay. So what would be a great outcome for today? Um,
1: I would love to feel at peace um, either with the decision to let this friendship go or um, to have a plan for moving forward with it in a way that works for both of us.
0: So either to let it go or to have a plan that you can move forward with.
1: Yes, and to feel okay regardless of what that path is.
0: So what do you love about the friendship? You know, it's funny.
1: Um, I love that... I think that's the, actually, you hit the nail on the head. It's funny, it's such a simple question, but what I used to love about the friendship was the feeling that despite all the challenges she's faced in her life, um, she's capable of moving forward in life with hope, and that's what I really feel, you know, has has been missing lately, is that sense of, oh, um, you know, like, for example, she's, she when we were in um, college, we met in college, um, and in our 20s, um, she had been through a series of rough relationships that were, um, you know, not very healthy, and she just kept putting herself out there, and she eventually um, started dating and married a man who I feel is, is really, really good for her, um, and uh, you know, and I, her persistence in the face of adversity as you know as a cancer survivor I'm a survivor and and the willingness to feel hope and to wake up every day with hope is really really important to me um and that's you know I I feel like that's a challenge of like depression and anxiety and frustration with the world as it really erodes hope so I think that's that's what I always loved about our relationship was our our bond through well you know, it might suck now, but we'll get through it. And that that piece has really felt like it's
0: been missing. Have you expressed to her these sort of feelings? You know, I haven't. I
1: haven't I haven't had a conversation where I've said one of the things I love about our friendship is, you know, your begrudging persistence to find optimism and good which is something that I I share and I've really felt like that's been missing and I think the reason why I haven't had that conversation is because I'm afraid that she'll say well I've been looking for it and it's not there so I just give up
0: <laughs> and if she says that to you how would you respond uh
1: well, the coach in me would say, um, "How have you been looking, or why do you feel it's not there?" Um, and I feel like she would have a lot of evidence. You know, you human beings were were really good forensic detectives, right? Like, yeah. if you look for something, you'll find it. <laughs> yes. Um, and. Uh, I guess I'm. It's so hard to support a friend and not want to change them. That's what I really struggle with. I don't want to have a conversation that sounds like I like the way you used to be. But I think
0: that's, I think that's the truth. So, can you describe to me what, how she saw the world? Um,
1: she. When we were first friends, um, she was that friend who was kind of like sardonic and sarcastic, and we liked a lot of the same movies, and we the same kind of things made us laugh, you know. Um, and even though she had had some trauma in her childhood, and I had had some trauma in our childhood, um. I felt like we leaned on humor a lot to, like, not just let it go, but not let it define us. Um, and when you know, when I ha- was when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, she was definitely there for me and supportive, and she would send me cards, um, you know, to make me laugh, and in the last couple of years when we've had conversations, they've revolved around um, how frustrated and disappointed and annoyed she's been with life. And I think that my, my bids for humor have sort of fallen flat And it's maybe, maybe it's that the low is like too low of a low to, you know, to, to lift up out of, Um, or maybe it's, you know, the mountain of evidence, maybe it's felt like a, it's felt like a, like a slope, um, not quite like a level uh, where it's like, we get down, we pick each other up, we get down, we pick each other up feels like it's more it's harder and harder to to meet in that middle where yeah things are rough but like I'm okay I'm managing um, yeah I don't know is that is that the question did I answer the question you asked yeah,
0: yeah. how do you think she uh, or how do you feel she views the world right now
1: I think that she views the world as a smaller, darker place that is growing smaller and darker. And I don't know how to help her. I don't know how to connect with her. Um, And I think the reason why is because my, my perspective is yeah, the world got really small and really dark for a hot minute there. But now it's, it's opening up and um, we're getting back to normal. And um, I think that she found comfort in being able to work from home and not having to deal with people in the office and other humans. And that disconnection became a comfort. And maybe now she might be either afraid or resentful or, um, you know, annoyed at having to go back to the world and the people that she'll have to interact with. And I, I work from home also, but I, um, I'm really looking forward to being out in the world like, like we were before um, and I don't, I don't think she is. Even when I've, even when I've brought up coming to visit, um, she has sort of been like, you know, even though she's vaccinated, her husband's vaccinated, um, I'm vaccinated. There's been a real resistance, even with, even with Zoom calls, where vaccination isn't an issue. But she kind of sticks to text. So there's a sense of withdrawal from the world. And the part of me that's been, that's known this person since we were like 18, you know, I want to, I want to pull her out, but I don't know if she wants to come out. <laughs> I feel like Orpheus.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what qualities do you think she admires about you?
1: Hmm, that's a good question um, I think as long as we've known each other she has appreciated my sunny disposition <laughs> In, and she jokes sometimes about you know her darkness and my lightness um, but I, I feel very self conscious of my lightness and my sunniness lately as if it's like an affront almost or dismissal of what she might be going through. And I find that that sort of feeds on itself. And then I get afraid to say, how are you? And I don't know if it's because now I think about it, I don't know if it's because I'm afraid of the answer, whether the answer will be something to pacify me that's not true, or something that's true that I don't know how to help with. Maybe it's not my role to help. Um, But I, I know that You know, I've, I have really do struggle with um, being present when, um, when I can't help someone. And maybe it's not my role. Maybe it's just to make a space where it's safe for them to be sad or angry or t- frustrated. Like as a coach, you know, <laughs> you do that when someone's not motivated or motivating themselves, how do you help them find that motivation? Cause they're, they're a mere presence. Like the fact that we still talk, that she's still texting me back tells me that she's, she's wants me in her life or wants to be in my life. Um, but I, I don't like I don't know why why maybe that is why (laughs) even if she's not prepared to be sunny she welcomes the presence of a of a sunny disposition because it might be the only sun she's got right now I don't know
0: you mentioned a lot of sort of differences that's Mm -hmm. sort of striking right now in your life what do you find is that you both have in common at this moment
1: You know, I'm struggling. I think that's the hard part is that we le- we've had less and less in common. Like almost every year that goes by and the pandemic has really kind of exacerbated that, has really highlighted that. Um, sometimes it's simple things. You know, I think what we have in common is we both like the golden girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've got in common. We both like the Golden Girls. Um, But even simple things like the films and television and movies and books that we read are becoming more and more disparate. I read a book that I was like, oh my God, I think you would love this. And she hated it. And I was like, I don't, I feel like I don't even know you anymore.
0: But. So, what would Sophia? What would she say in this moment? How would she? What would what would her picture it be? (laughs)
1: That's funny. Um, You know what I wish Sophia would say is she would say uh, picture it, Sicily, twenty twenty four. The pandemic is behind us. We're all enjoying a delicious bowl of dairy free pasta somewhere in Italy. A nice glass of wine. I think she would she would look to the future. But maybe that's the thing is that I need to do is to really like look to the past and remember the moments that we've had and remind myself of our connections less so than our disconnections. That's very I've I've talked to a lot of friends that have faced the same faced the same challenge they're like it's only been 18 months and I feel like I don't even know this person anymore like were they always that person has the last 18 months changed them like and sometimes you can explain it with like life transition like oh my friend had a baby and now her whole life is the baby and she's never available for happy hour. Like, that's totally understandable. Well, you know what? <laughs> I got news for you, every party is gonna have a baby area from here on out. Um, I remember that in my 20s, we had a couple in our friend circle who got married and had a kid. And I was sitting with a mutual friend at this potluck, and he was like, what's with that little cordoned off area, like the play area at this party? I thought I was coming to a party, and I looked at him and I was like, oh, every every party's gonna have a play area from here on out, buddy. Like, you're not 22 anymore. Um, but yeah, it's, um maybe that's the secret is kind of like reminding myself of what we have in common instead of what we no longer have in common.
0: So if you were reminding yourself of what you have in common, what would be three things you would need from her?
1: I think I would need to know that this is something she's coming out on the other side of because I'm coming out on the other side of it and I'm not willing to stay in a place where I see things as never getting better. As a cancer survivor, I am definitely on the side of getting busy living. I'll never forget when um, about 12 years ago, I'm 13 years out from cancer. And when I was a year, maybe a year and a half out, um, I was talking to a nurse who Uh, was really great in helping me kind of like craft a survivorship plan and i i was overwhelmed with fear at the thought of getting my chest port taken out um because all i could think of was what if it comes back what if it comes back and i have to put this port back in and like and she sat me down and she said what if it doesn't And I think that, like, it opened up a future to me that I had been scared to think about until that moment because I had been in cancer land for so long. And I feel like that, I feel like um, our friendship has been in a place of darkness and uncertainty and disconnection. And I think that if I knew that it could be in that Sicily 2024 world, then I could make it through, you know this this hard part. Um, but you know, if uh, if I had a conversation with her, and we disagreed on whether things can get better, then I? You know, it's like then I think I. I I I don't think we'd be serving each other anymore I think I would be a constant you know like I don't know like uh, I don't know like I, I I it's hard to not it's hard to maintain a friendship with someone when you see the world differently just not disagreeing on, um, you know, whether Black Panther is the best Marvel movie ever, but thinking that something um, in the world is relevant or not relevant as uh, a as a bigger disconnection, I think.
0: So, if you drew that line in the sand and. She wasn't able to follow you. What would life look like for you?
1: You know, I think I would lose... I think I would... I would lose an old friend. I would lose someone who... Who has been a witness to a lot of my life, um, but I think I would also lose the burden of feeling like I need to lift up someone who doesn't want to be lifted up. Um, I, you know, like I'm a I'm a firm believer that you can't can't make anybody feel anything. Um, and also, I think I would also relieve the pressure on her of being in a place that she doesn't want to be in order to be my friend. I think that's what's been in the back of my mind too. Is if you feel like you are, you know, satisfied being where you are, like, who might expect or demand that you be different? stay in my world it's not fair um I've had you know I've had friends uh have that conversation with their parents someone who's like always going to be in your life but you have to sort of set a healthier boundary that doesn't force or expect them to be different and doesn't force or expect you to be different um It's kind of the world that I'm in right now when you say what would it be like is I think it would be where I am now where I'm limiting my interactions um, to limit my exposure uh, to a, a conversation that's not really fulfilling for either one of us. But, yeah, it's very... I think there is a part of me that would like to have a conversation to make sure that i'm not misunderstanding something like are you are you getting anything out of this <laughs> am i annoying you with my sunniness and you know comments about how the world's getting better Is that am i an echo in your chamber that you really don't want to hear or maybe that's the problem i'm not an echo
0: mm.
1: Maybe the problem is that she's not an Echo I don't know But I do You know I have friends who have Differing opinions than me About where the world's going And what we need to move forward in it But um, There is an element of kind of like Doubt with all of them Like Well i be like, wrong And I that's what that's the space that I love because in my own life, uh, doubt has always been what saved me. Maybe I'm wrong about this being as bad as I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I try to, I would like to insert that doubt and to a conversation and see if there's any shred of it. And if there isn't any shred of it, then I think I'll know. All right. It's kind of, I don't know if you've seen Wicked. Have you seen Wicked at
0: all?
1: It's kind of like that moment where, you know, Glinda and Elphaba kind of realize like, oh, we're going down different paths. And she just says, I hope you're happy now that you're choosing this. And I, I like to have that moment, but I know that sometimes those moments only exist in the movies (laughs) or Broadway shows. Mm.
0: I'm curious, you know, you mentioned you've known her for a really long time. And thinking back of those moments and that friendship and the laughs and all the other experiences, if you were to embody that in your body, where would that resonate anywhere in your body, that feeling?
1: Yeah. It really, it's like it's here. It's like my heart, my chest, my sternum. Which is funny that it's not it doesn't feel like a weight on my back, you know, which normally when I think of a burden, like that's where I feel the tension is like my back and my neck, but.
0: And in the current situation you're in is, is it, does it still resonate in that same area for you right now?
1: It weighs in my heart, yes, definitely. It's like, (laughs) It feels like a pair of lead wings.
0: (laughs) Lead wings. Is there a way to lighten that lead?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's really... I think it's, it's me letting this friendship go and being open to it coming back. But when I think of trying to, trying to carry it through to that other side, I just don't think I can do it by myself. like you know i think i i think i need to know that she's willing to walk with me and that's that lightens when i when i think that thought it it lightens the feeling
0: so how would you hold yourself accountable to get that feeling magnified
1: I think I would have to start um, by having that hard conversation of, you know, one of the things I love about our friendship is that we've known each other so long and you have always, you know, shared with me this optimism despite adversity, which really helped me when I was going through cancer. Because I didn't know if it was going to get any better. And. I'm struggling because. I felt. More and more disconnected from you. During the pandemic. And to be honest. You know. Even before that. um, When you've been facing your own. um, Sort of like struggles in life. And. And. I know that the last few years have not been easy and I want to know if there's a way that I could have been better at being there for you that I'm missing um, that has maybe been adding to my feeling of disconnection and also what I do to to be a better friend um, because I miss I miss the way that we were always able to like share that vision of the light you know at the end of the tunnel and I still see that light um, but I feel like you don't and I don't know if it's because you can't. Um, or because you're really struggling with something that maybe you don't feel like you can talk to me about because I'm always, you know, I have this perpetual need to look on the bright side and reframe and I want to make sure that, you know, that I don't need you to be, you know, a certain way to still be friends. Um. But i I do see the world as getting better, and um, you know I'm I'm kind of unwilling to budge on that front (laughs) in terms of my own worldview. (laughs) And if we're just friends, you know, who differ in that, and we can still laugh over the Golden Girls, then that's okay. But I I think maybe that'll open up the conversation to you know nope now that I'm really glad you brought it up this is not serving me (laughs) and uh you know like uh, yeah but I I'm willing to leave space for having seen something wrong or misinterpreted something I guess.
0: Is there a way that you can reframe the conversation so that it lands easier to her?
1: That's what I, that's what I need help with. <laughs> Are there ways I could reframe the conversation so it's less about me needing something and more about maybe me helping her Or maybe not about me at all.
0: Do you have an intuitive sense of what she wants? I don't. Not anymore.
1: I, uh... I feel increasingly like I don't know her.
0: Hmm. So when do you think you're gonna start with this conversation with her? Um,
1: My default is always, how are you? (laughs) I've been trying to connect with her most recently by sharing things that made me think of her. I saw this and I thought of you. Oh, I just read this book. Oh, I just saw that episode of The Golden Girls. I've been rewatching it, and my my bids for connection have been met with, um, sometimes rejection and sometimes dismissal. Like, um, oh, I heard about that book. I don't think it's for me. Oh, I tried to watch that television show, and the main girl was really annoying. Um, and sometimes it's just met with ha and a smiley face hmm. and I think to myself if this was a dude he would have been off the roster and blocked months ago hmm. but I think I'm in a place where I'm I'm waiting for things to get better, and and they're not. And I don't want to ghost somebody that I've known for thirty years. You know, I'd like to have that conversation, and maybe it's you know I'm really struggling with something, and I need your advice. Hmm. Maybe that's a better
0: opening than "How are you?" Even though it's
1: very me-focused. <laughs>
0: I love that, but I think this is probably maybe a good time to transition into the interview section. Do you feel complete?
1: I do. I feel like I have a place to start with that's coming from a good place. And I feel lighter in my heart thinking about it.
0: Thank you. Awesome. Sure. So April Capil, please tell my audience more about you, what you do, and who you are.
1: Um, Well, I am a health coach and a software project manager. And I help um, young adult cancer survivors kind of navigate that world post-treatment um, to set small goals and help them kind of build a new normal. Um, young adult survivors are 18 to 40. Um, I work uh, usually with people who are out of treatment uh, because that, I find, is the time where I can be of the most service. Um, when you're navigating a world post-cancer, it's... Uh, It's a little tricky, it's not like the world you left. Um, Some people say that it feels like you lost your place in line when you got back in and everyone is like three steps ahead of you. Uh, I also help uh, pre-diabetic women uh, integrate healthy lifestyle changes so that they can avoid a diabetes diagnosis. And uh, What I do with both people really is I I start with things like toxic stress, right? Uh, I have six pillars in my practice that I use Um, sleep, exercise, nutrition, meditation, um, are kind of like four things that you can really start with to combat toxic stress. And then what I add are self-care practices uh, to focus on your mental health and um, kind of encourage that self-love. And then uh, taking a look at healthy relationships, which is part of why I wanted to talk about this on the call because it's sometimes a blind spot. you don't realize that, gosh, you know, I'm 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 getting eight hours of sleep, and I'm exercising every day, and I'm eating my vegetables, and doing my ten minute, you know, meditations. But I just feel like something is not right in my world, and sometimes that's like your partner or your children if you're older, or maybe your children if you're younger, um, or friendships that you know you don't realize are affecting all that good work that you're doing, they might be impairing it a little bit. Maybe you're going on a walk every day, but it's with someone who's you know, complaining for the entire walk and it's draining you. Um, so uh, I try to help my clients start with those six pillars um, and then set goals around moving that needle a little bit.
0: What have you found to be major pain points uh, in the clients that you serve?
1: Oh, putting themselves first, allowing themselves to take care of themselves. Um, Even with cancer patients, uh, you find that someone has spent their entire journey being strong for everybody else. I'm fine. I've got it. No, you don't need to worry about me. No, you don't need to come to my chemo like I'm sleeping most of the time. Um, Oh, no, you don't need to come with me to... Try on wigs, like, it's no big deal. And then this, you know, the same woman is struggling with something as simple as her hair growing back and not having to manage it and being self-conscious about her appearance uh, or being afraid that her husband doesn't find her attractive anymore and not knowing how to have that conversation about, like, well... (laughs) After six months of chemo, I don't have a libido. <laughs> like, um, and not not really knowing how that is connecting to all these different places of her life. Um, you know, she's been sleeping because she doesn't feel pretty, <laughs> something I've heard, um, which is so random but it happens. Or she hasn't exercised in six months and her body feels weak all the time. Um. The beautiful thing though is that I find that uh, connecting to yourself, whether it's through meditation or self-care practices or just wrapping your brain around the idea that it's okay for you to come first. It doesn't mean nobody else comes on a list, it just means that you come first and then everything else comes after that. That has an exponential return on investment uh, because once you're taking care of yourself,
0: you can be there for everyone else yeah it's it's uh, it's interesting you mentioned about you don't need to come to my chemo and i got it that's totally totally me um one thing cancer <laughs> yeah. taught me was you know vulnerability um what have you found um you know just for someone listening right now who's really kind of in the struggle of feeling like they're all alone with this process or maybe they have a friend who's you know they don't know how to reach out to them about it well
1: i would say that your friend is probably wondering the same thing they're probably wondering how you are and they're afraid to ask because you never talk about it and letting them know that it's safe to talk about it might start with something like if it's comfortable for you you could broach it like it's a friend that you met at ran into at a doctor's appointment, or um, I have used this trick. Um, I was very afraid of people seeing me sick when I was going through chemo, and um, I thought, oh, I'll see them, and then I'll have no eyebrows, and then they'll feel sorry for me, or I'll see somebody I haven't seen since, you know, I posted on Facebook that I was diagnosed with cancer, and I know that what they're wondering is, how are you? But they're afraid to ask, what was that like? And I would say, oh, you know, I just ran into this woman that I knew when she was going through treatment, um, and she was saying that it's been so nice for her to reconnect with all of her friends who haven't seen her since she was diagnosed. And of course, my friend, it's always like, you know, the therapist, so I have this friend who's, uh, (laughs) you know, it's like, that's always the way that you approach a conversation that's difficult. and. And I say, and I was telling her how much I was looking forward to seeing you because I haven't seen you, um, since I was diagnosed and that opens it up for that person to say, well, well, how are you? How's it been? Because they know that you feel safe talking about it. Um, so I did, I, I 100% have used that trick and suggested that clients use that trick. (laughs) Like, So, doctor, I have a friend who has this rash, (laughs) like, you know, you can say, you can put it in the third person um, so that that friend feels comfortable or family member feels comfortable saying, well, it's funny that you mentioned that. I've been wondering about you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I want to thank you for participating in my interview series with Authority Magazine and Thrive Global. Uh, I survived cancer and here is how I did it what was your reaction? What was the reaction with family and friends when you posted that? Because I, I know it's not an easy story to tell and one um, a few people asked me, are you going to tell your story? And um, I think for me, reading all those stories is giving me the courage to do it.
1: Really? And there have been so many. Um, I think that the reaction is I had a lo- I have a lot of new friends who don't know that story. Uh-huh. Um, and so they were like, oh, I never knew. Like, the details uh, you know I knew you were a survivor and I knew it was breast cancer but I I didn't know what you went through and I even had a friend who who I've I've known for like seven years who was like what what was that like finding that lump like she had read the story but she wanted to hear from me because um, she didn't know the details and I was so happy to have a place to share them because I've, I've written books about kind of like how to make it through a tough time and how to make lemonade out of lemons, but I don't go in the details in my books because they're not really cancer books. They're more about like how to survive, how to not lose your head when you're going through a disaster and then how to pick up the pieces after. Um, but I was so thankful for the platform to be able to share kind of like the nitty gritty. And then my friends who and colleagues that i worked with were like i didn't know that um so it was great
0: yeah what do you feel in everyone's story and everyone's um you know everyone's thought on this is different but what do you feel cancer has shown you or taught you or allowed you to see
1: oh i feel like and i i said this in the article but like like cancer made me realize the importance of paying attention pay attention and also that this is an hourglass this is an hourglass this life that we live in you know it starts when we're born and that sand doesn't go in reverse like it's only going in one direction and i never forget that and it forever changed the lens through which i see life i think I mean, that's part of our earlier discussion about this friend, it's like how many grains am I willing to spend on this? I, I'm really a person who does not like to waste time um, because I know that, you know, I, I, I talk about it in one of my books, um, it's like that moment in Superman when Christopher Reeve like gives up his power so that he can be with Lois Lane and then the guy punches him out in the <laughs> diner and he's like, looking at his blood, that's what cancer did for me. I was like, oh, man, I'm mortal. Oh, I'm really mortal. Oh, wow. This is for real. I have It's like Jumanji. I have one life left. (laughs) And that's it.
0: So, you know, you mentioned sort of this reference to an hourglass. So what would be three pieces of advice for us to use our time more wisely?
1: Oh, get off your phone. Spend time with humans. I have a -a three-and-a-half-year-old nephew that I just love. And... He does not, you know, it's like I, when I am with him, like my phone is put away because it almost reminds me of like our town where Emily like goes back and she's like, it moves so fast. We don't have time to look at one another. And when I think about my life flashing before my eyes, in that moment, my sister's ex-husband used to call it the God tape, God tape, you know, <laughs> when, when your life flashes before your eyes. Yeah. I just want to see connecting with other people that I love. So I would say that's my first piece of advice is like, just remember that like, you're this is not a DVR, like you're not going to get to go back to that moment, you know, really spend as much time in the present as you can. Um, And the second piece of advice I would say is, think about how you want to spend this hourglass this 100 years. Like, right now, I'm 47, and if I'm lucky, I'll get another 47 years on Earth, maybe maybe 40, but I'm gonna shoot for 47. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I, I think about it like a vacation. Like, there are so many things that I wanna do. I'm only gonna have 47 more Christmases, 47 more Thanksgivings. You know, like, I, I do a reassessment every year on my birthday to be like, how did I do this year? What do I want next year? Where's my five year goal? And I don't think too far ahead. You know, I try to keep it three to five years ahead because life has a way of throwing you curveballs, um, which brings me to my third point, which is practice being flexible, practice rolling with the punches. Sometimes you open a closet door and there's like Narnia on the other side. <laughs> and instead of being like, nope, <laughs> you know, embrace the wonder of being surprised by life and don't always assume that a surprise is a bad thing. If it wasn't for cancer, I literally wouldn't have my nephew. Like so many things I think all the time of almost like that movie paycheck. How -hmm. many, like if future me knew that everything was going to be okay. What would she say to present me? She'd be like, relax, nothing is ever wrong. Everything is learning. Like, all experiences lead to your growth you know like that's lovely you're not on you're never on the wrong path you're always on the only path and it's always the right path
0: What I I mm-hmm. So, what would you? Um, so, where can my audience find more about you? You're you, you filled with so much wisdom. So <laughs>
1: Thank go. you. Well, um, well, my website is Um I my books are on most e-retailers and um, including Audible. I have one book on Audible, um, and uh, you know, I in health coaching, I do Zoom and in person. Uh, my favorite thing to do is actually walking um, during a session because they've done studies about how moving through space and being in nature helps you process trauma and uh if if you've one of my favorite books the book i I've, I've lately been recommending to everyone is the deepest well by dr mm-hmm. nadine burke harris she's california surgeon general it talks about how trauma is the the root and it's present childhood trauma in so many people who are suffering from disease later in life and they you know they don't they're they're just now beginning to make these connections um but uh that's that's a lot you know I post on Instagram I'm on Instagram under actually the possible diet is my um my, my latest book and my my public Instagram uh, so I post a lot of stuff on there I'm on Goodreads and I recommend all my favorite books and sometimes I include the notes so that's kind of a nice feature of Goodreads anyway those are all the places you can find me
0: Awesome, April. Well, I really thoroughly enjoyed today's conversation. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Sure. Thank you again.
1: All right.
0: All right. Hi there. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. They can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, daily prompts to move in the right direction, sync directly to your smartphone, and a subscription to my weekly newsletter where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.